Hey, I'm Tyler. I'm Sophie. I'm Locke. I'm Justin. I'm Noah K. And this is Talking on the Western Front. So for today's episode, we will be talking about the first, second, and third chapter of All Quiet on the Western Front. In the first um, box or quote, it shows like um, how like the difference between like young and old man, and it talks about, like um, Kantrak would say that we stood on the threshold of life. Now I think um, this shows like the difference between young and old men shows how um, older men like can look past work because it says for the others the older men is but an interruption, which shows that older men are like more mentally strong. But then it goes on to say. Um, we, however, have been gripped by it and do not know what the end may be, which means that because they are younger and not like well equipped to deal with these like hardships, it shows how like more affected they are by war. And it says later on, um, we know only that in some strange and melancholy way we have become a wasteland. And I think that shows the change in them, how they were all happy and whatnot, but now like they're like um, gripped by war and like in like a bad way. I think that can show like their loss of innocence as before the war they didn't like know any of this like they didn't see it firsthand and now when their minds have just become a wasteland because of all this like terrible things that they've seen. Mm -hmm. I think they because they are young they don't have any burden on their shoulders so I think they are more easily affected by war than older men. And I also think it's interesting that it says that <clears throat> for older men that it's only an interruption. But I don't think that's really true because they could also, like, they have a also fair chance of dying just as the young men. And plus the older men have a lot more to lose. So I think they see it as more than just an interruption. I think they see it as like, oh my God, I might lose myself and then my family might lose me. And that could be like a really bad situation. So, yeah. I think it also ties into another question, which it also asks, what does it mean to stand on the threshold of life? Because in the first sentence it says, Kinshrek would say that we stood on the threshold of life, which I think also shows how, like, um, they were so close, like, to dying, and they are so close to dying, and that, like, they, like, they could die at any moment, and it shows how, like, um, I guess that, how, how, like, like how human people are. Yeah. Like, mortal. Okay. So in the third box, it talks about how the boys think that they're like big and strong with their um, like their military outfits on, but then when they go to shower and they're like naked, they have they're like no more than boys, and then they become like slender little people, and they become civilians. This shows like when they're out in the military, they think that they're like big and strong, and they think. Like, it gives them, like, a sense of power, and then when they get that taken away from them, they feel as if they're, like, weak, and they can't really do anything. Yeah. Plus, in the quote, I think she was talking about how when they're in the shower, they just look, like, slender, and they're not really, like, they don't look big and macho, so I think this shows, like, yeah, they, you can think you're really big and strong, but, like, the military, the rations aren't enough to keep you big and muscular, so, like, that actually just, like, affects your body in a big way. I think it's more about the fact that um, it shows they aren't actually, like, the soldiers everyone thinks they are. They're just people that are forced to make this. Yeah. So it doesn't really show who they truly are. Okay. So on page 30, um, Kemmerich says, If you find my watch, send it home. 
and then it says, I do not reply, it is no use anymore, no one can console him. This is just talking about how since his watch was taken, his like time was taken away from him and he's on his deathbed and he's dying and he has no more time left to live and um, they know this because they said like there's no one else can console him. And it just, it's a good part of imagery because like you can almost feel like you're there with him and he's talking to you while he's like on his deathbed about to die. And that's like his final wish or whatever. And it's just like, it puts a good image in your head of the war. Yeah, you can like kind of, through like what Paul says about it, you can kind of feel like the pain that they're both going through. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is like more painful because like, these are only like young kids, 19 years old, and it definitely hurts because like, um, in a different part of the book, it also talks about how um, old men have something to go back to, while younger men who just go to the war have nothing to go back to. So losing that time, not only like dying, but just going to the war in general, is like not a good experience. And like in the war, the only thing they have is each other. And like Justin said, they have nothing to go back to. So. Okay, so for the next imagery part we found, uh, we said the part where Himmelstas is getting like beat up and jumped by the three men. So it says, um, we seized the bed cover, uh, cover, made a quick leap, threw it over his head from behind and pulled it around him so that he stood there in a white sack, unable to raise his arms. Um, and then they proceeded to basically just like punch him and just beat him and like throw him all over the place. And they were basically just trying to scare him off and like give payback to him for what they did to him or to to specifically Yaden because Yaden was like bullied by him during like their time with under him so it's just showing how like the war has really affected all of them and how like they're going through a rough time they they basically like hit and ran him because they were gonna get what is it deployed is that what you say yeah like into the war the next day and, but like honestly that was brutal like they were like put a pillow on him and then they were like we let him breathe every couple of seconds God. I mean that kind of shows how brutal war is I also remember a part where it basically talks about how um what is it um how like he's um hungry for power Himmelsoft is and um. It kind of shows how like they're also hungry for power and that it changes a man once you're in war because it definitely talked about how um before the war himself wasn't like a bad man he was probably like a good person but war changed him so when he had the opportunity to have power he took it and used it to his advantage but then it kind of shows how like they have regret or not regret um envy for it and they want it i don't think it's have anything much to do with the war it's just they having a fun time beating him up well, I also think that it just shows, like, how they want to get back at him for all the physical and emotional pain that he caused them. So they just want him to feel the same that they do. Yeah, yeah but, like, just imagine your local <laughs> postman being that much of a... Yeah. Well, I don't think it's necessarily, because, like, I don't think it's necessarily um, Himmelstoss, um, just particularly wanting to, like, harm them. I do think it's just part of war. Like, war changes a man, so... In general, people are gonna be more like um, tough on you. Right. A part I found was on page 28 and 29, 
or Cameron was dying, and it basically says, um, for a while he lay still, which is on the bed, and it talks about his um, white lips and his like um, teeth, and it's like flesh melts. And then on the next page, it talks about how he used to um, wear a brown coat with a belt and shiny sleeves. And this is basically showing how before the war, he was like a normal person who like wasn't all this beat up and was like um, happy and like well. But now after the war, after like all he's gone through, he's like changed. He has like white face, like chalk and whatnot. So it definitely shows how it changes you and like harms you um, physically. Yeah, it's also just really good imagery of showing him like actually dying, showing him from being like this living being to this his face being like white as chalk and just like slowly dying. It also shows like the change though, because like um, without the part of him showing before the war, before he's like this when he was like in the school, um, without that part it it wouldn't be as effective because what this shows is the change like you um you see what he's like now and you see before the fact of what he was like yeah because it shows you it shows you how he used to be like this active guy during school and how he used to be like oh i'm so great and everything and now he's laying in the bed slowly dying and you can see him turning his face turning to like chalk white so it just it's a good good part yeah a point of imagery that I found was in page 9 where they're like sitting in the on the toilets it says that these are wonderfully carefree hours over us and is the blue sky on the horizon float the bright yellow sunlit observation balloons and the many little white clouds of anti-aircraft shells so I found this to be interesting a point of imagery because it contrasts from like the dark like gloomy war and now it's showing us a blue sky a bright uh, sun but it also includes the aspects of war like it talks about the observation balloons and the anti-aircraft sh uh, shell clouds so I found this pretty interesting it shows like how even in war they still have like a little escape from reality of war which would be them taking a poop yeah it shows how <laughs> That's like their only time of peace really is when they're having to go to the bathroom and they're just chilling there for like, I think it said two hours because that's their only time to sit. And it's just like a good contrast to when they're at the front lines getting attacked for 14 days. They just show how that's the positive aspect to where, I mean, not. I think it even shows like, um, like Tyler said, it shows contrast, but it also shows that the fact that um, they are human, you know, soldiers are humans too, and they put in like this horrible situation that most of them don't want to be in, and it definitely shows like, um, like Tyler said, the contrast again, and like the fact that they want to be there, so it characterizes them a lot. So at the end of chapter three, they talk about, uh, they describe them as young hero, but before they was beating, him was done in the dark and then whipping him and hitting him. It showed the contrast how they are not young hero. So So that like shows that they're not actual heroes because they were just like beating up their officer. They show like 
they young and they are young and ignorant about war and stuff. And then although they are soldier, they still hero, but they are young and they still. Yeah, and I think they saw themselves as young heroes because they were helping their friend, and like obviously they were helping Yaden through that whole part of the book because he was emotionally distressed because of what Hemostas put him through. Well, it does say like an old buffer was please describe us, which means it also talks. It, mean, about <laughs> it means that like someone else called them these young heroes. Which definitely shows the fact that um, a lot of people don't like Himmelstoth or like the leaders in general. And I think that um, shows the fact that they don't like them because of the fact that they're not in the war and they're put in the situation. So they're the ones that realize they're going to have to be the ones that go in the front line and fight this war. Whereas this, um, the commanders and like whatnot will not have to. And that definitely shows like regret. Not regret. Um, like, anger. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that they see themselves as heroes. I think they're just kids who just entered the war because they were misled. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking on the Western Front.